And because the ranger, or because the paladin is a dwarf, he can't keep up and get close enough to melee to smite. <laughs> so he's having to throw javelins right at the threshold of Caves of Hunger. But e arguably the easiest fight they have in store. They uh, had two party members. I... Oh my God. <laughs> And, and I, I love the fact that he's just rubbing, rubbing the salt. Arguably the easiest fight they've had right. the whole time. I, they I did screwed not expect, up. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the hosts joining me this afternoon are Troy Sandlin and John Christian. How are you fellas doing after your fine holiday? Oh, still still trying to recover from all the, the, the shenanigans of, of mm. this weird holiday season. Mm, yeah. Indeed. Mm-hmm. How is it that I went to fewer places, visited f less family, and feel t ten more times better. more exhausted? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought of that, oh, too. First like... world problems, man. Oh, it's so sad for you that you work remote and you don't really have to go out anywhere. You just got to lay up inside of your house that's well heated or it's so sad. <sighs> Terrible. I thought, I think that maybe it's because, because I felt the same way. I think that's maybe it's because we do stay at home now. And like for the last nine months or mm. so, we've been not going anywhere that now like going anywhere to do anything is like, that's exhausting. Oh, <laughs> we've, and, been, and we've been properly conditioned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stay in your pen, cattle. Yeah, it's absolutely mm -hmm. terrifying anymore. I uh, yeah. I went to the, the local mall, which is... I guess it's now the second largest mall in Indiana. Not that that's saying a whole lot, I guess. It's Indiana. But, uh, no, I went there, and the last time I've been to the mall was right before last Christmas. And, yeah, just, just gearing up to, to walk in that place knowing there's going to be a ton of people probably not paying any attention to social distancing guidelines or anything like that. But I was pleasantly surprised. I would say probably 99% of the people walking around had masks on and you know stuff so yeah it uh it kind of quelled my my burgeoning social anxiety kind of thing yeah. so yeah it was it, it wasn't it wasn't too bad it wasn't too bad that's good to hear well we've got a whole list of uh announcements to get through today uh in our dessert round these are new products things trending on trending on twitter uh, announcements, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and we've got a full slate of four of them today. I think we'll just go right down the list because I think the last thing kind of ties in with our topic. Um, mm. So right out the gate, I'm going to talk to you all a little bit about a product called uh, Knights Black Agents. Um, this is something that I didn't know anything about um, prior to playing it. But our good friend, uh, friend of the podcast, Mike Amer, who was on... Uh, last episode i think um he introduced us to this rpg that takes on the gumshoe system mm -hmm. and makes you basically super spies hunting down vampires in europe i think that's the easiest way to say it that, that's, very that's simple system yeah very simple system. All you use is a D6. Uh, you're designed to be a badass. And you're designed to hunt basically one type of creature, which is vampires and their kindred. Um, it was a blast, I think. Uh, if you're looking for a system that is not difficult and isn't going to take a long time to... Uh, learn and introduce people to you can definitely use this system um, it's a skill-based system so you don't level as far as i know you don't level you just uh, increase your skills and skill pools um, and all you ever roll is a d6 so uh, very very simple not near the complexity of D, &D or something like that um, you can pick it up on drive through 
Um, and I've posted a link for those of you watching live uh, where you can check it out a bit more. Uh, yeah, you can even get a nice bundle mm -hmm. with uh, the Dracula, Dracula dossier, uh, Dracula Redacted, and the Director's Handbook, along with Knight's Black Agents. Yeah, so the Dracula dossier is a really cool element of this, right? Yes. Uh, Mike was telling us about it a little bit, but um, the Dracula dossier, they took the Dracula novel, uh, the creators of this game, and they said... What if the Dracula novel is basically a propaganda piece to basically get the factual events that happened when the uh, British uh, uh, MI6 tried to uh, draft Dracula and let's and failed. Let's try to uh, fictionalize that account a little bit. And then have it published as a novel. So if any of it gets out into the public, people will just say, oh, that's just that you're just referencing that book. And so what the creators did is they took the um, royalty free Dracula novel and they put notes in the margins and blah, 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 to as if it was the true story. Um, and that's a resource that your players can have at the table is the Dracula novel with everything in truth uh, applied to it. So crazy doc. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. It just and sounds now. like so much fun. Jason Bourne versus Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. We had a blast. We would recommend it, uh, uh, especially if you're looking for something that's in the modern era and um, is a simple system. You can definitely do one shots and things like that with it pretty easy. Uh, John, you have something really interesting, an article that you found. Talk to me about that. I do. And it's, I'm going to expand on it just a little bit because the more that I've read it, the more, the more interesting I find. Uh, so D&D Beyond has a lot of back-end statistics based on characters that were generated. You know, There's metadata associated to pretty much anything that you build in D&D Beyond. So if you create a character, they've got a database that's on the back-end that says you know, race, class, Da, 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 da. And then if you have parties that are generated between uh, accounts or within the same account, they can even correlate like con like party composition, which I'm a statistician, mm -hmm. like a, I'm a big statics nerd, right? So for me, having an understanding of like what the players are really, really interested in, uh, it gives me more insight in and how I'm going to run the game or really just more than anything else. I just kind of geek out on the, on the stats. So, uh, the first thing is the top five most uh, popular D&D character classes. Um, can we guess what number one is? Anybody? Is it a fighter? It is a fighter. 100%. And then number two? Anybody? Warlock. Rogue. Rogue? Yeah. Rogue. Then Barbarian. Wizard. And Paladin. Which the cleric in me is going... Mm. WTF, and this is why your party is dead. So, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. fair enough. I know, it's, uh, it's yes. speaking to me. So, I'm surprised that there was no warlock in there. That was the one that the warlock and cleric in particular were the yeah. ones that really, really surprised me. I'm not surprised about Monk not being there. We've kind of already talked about some of the, the weaker designed classes that they've tried to tweak and just haven't really haven't really come back up yet uh let's see so in order uh the most common D, &D party compositions uh parties of three anybody want to take a crack at the first one well it's baffling like, to me is it like fighter rogue barbarian fighter rogue cleric uh, so the four people out there that are playing clerics these days, you're not having any problems finding a party. Surprise, so, surprise. So mm -hmm. it's like the right? early days of Warcraft. It's World totally, Warcraft. It, that's, I was thinking the same thing. And nobody wants to be a priest. Nobody yeah. wants to play, everybody wants to be DPS. Nobody wants to be a buffer, man. It's silly. Oh so it, it goes, so it's, it's cleric, fighter, rogue. Number two is fighter, wizard, cleric. Hello, people. Then it is barbarian, rogue, cleric. And then it goes fighter, paladin, rogue, <laughs> druid, paladin, rogue, right? So everybody wants to be either a, a fighter or a paladin. No one wants to play be a character, a, a cleric. So 
whoever ends up drawing the the short straw is the one that's crammed into that one. Sadly, which I I'm a I love a cleric, so I'm what, I'm baffled. What's that's that? Funny. What's that is presenting? Right? Is that when people are just like daydreaming about building characters and they're just doing mm-hmm. it for fun? When it doesn't matter, they're building what and when they build what they want. Clerics aren't a consideration, but when yep. they're actually building for a party, somebody's saying, "I'll." I'll I'll fight the bullet. Fine, I'll do it. it. Yeah, exactly. Somebody said, was it was it our friend Dave was saying just this last couple weeks? He's like, well, it's my turn in the in the uh, rotation to be the life cleric. I was like, (laughs) it's crazy to me. Yeah, I love it. Like because to me, if you're the cleric, you're you are tethered to the DPS. Right, mm-hmm. it's your responsibility to make sure that they stay up, so they can either take a beating or they can hand out a beating. So, mm-hmm. to me, you get to do everything. You're the center, you're the hub of the party. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're the when you're the buffer, the druid, cleric, yeah. bard, bard. Well, man, yeah. back in the AD and D days, I mean, yeah, nobody wanted to be the cleric, but you had to have one, and yeah. it was always like, keep the cleric alive. <laughs> if the cleric goes down, we run. You know, That's and, right. <laughs> but. But clerics today in in fifth edition are so robust and can do they so are. many different things. I mean, why why not? Be third, a third, and fourth edition both saw this yeah. really huge spike in the the efficacy of a of a cleric outside of just you know doing some healing kind of thing. So it, it really it surprised me. So which dovetails to the next part? Uh, so the next one is the top five most popular races. Number one does not surprise me at all. It's super vanilla. It's super bland. Shame on all of you that want to be a human. I don't. I don't care if you can send your hate my letters, your hate mail to me uh, at mydmsucks at gmail dot com. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, so like, really, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons. You guys want to be humans? That is the most boring thing I can think of. Right now, look, there are really awesome human characters throughout there, and I, I I'm only I'm only half serious. But I mean, come on. And then what? What's the next one? You have to have half elf. So you have to be half human. I gotta get my human right? in there somewhere. <laughs> then it goes, it goes dragonborn, tiefling, half orc. So what we're seeing in 2020 is there's a lot of angst. No elves. No, no elves. elves in the top, man. No dwarves. Okay, no dwarves. so the comprehensive list is, uh, it goes for, it goes, uh, then it goes elf, high elf, goliath, uh, the la- the bottom three, bottom three, mountain dwarf, halfling, hill dwarf. Wow, you have of, failed of, me. Well, D and D community, the you have failed. Yes, the no no bottom three of the top twelve. Actually, sorry. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the they didn't make it. They didn't even make it into the top. <laughs> the top but, like mountain dwarf made it to the bottom of the top ten. The hill dwarf, which is like. Uh, that doesn't surprise me too much because what it, what's like clerics not in the top five, mm-hmm. so you're not going to have a hill dwarf. What's the point in that? Because you know mm-hmm. I'm not going to heal anytime soon, right? But I mean, D and D community, I love you. I just want this is I'm going to have an intervention for you right now. You don't understand how awesome dwarves are apparently, and we need to just devote an entire an entire a podcast, gnome? or I'll I'll do a side. There's no gnomes are not even there at all. Not no. gnomes are not even yeah. there at all. Now, and the halfling is lightfoot halfling. It's not even like a stoutfoot ha- or what is it? A stouthard halfling. Stout. It's not even those. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No drow. Yeah. No genasi, which are a big deal. Nope. Um I kind of expected ASMR to slip in there because people love them. Maybe they're yeah. Now yeah, what I'm what I'm curious about what's going to end up happening is <clears throat> exactly what point they pulled these stats. If it was pre or post rhyme of the frost maiden and mm-hmm. post season ten. Or anything like that, right? Because the main reason being is, or real, I'm sorry, more more uh, more Tasha's, which we'll kind of go into here in a minute. More Tasha's, right? Because if, if we're uh, they're allowing for the flex the the racial ability score flexibility, mm-hmm. Mountain Dwarfs the it's the jazz man. It's like well, plus two and two different stat blocks. I can't believe that everybody hasn't gone for Mountain Dwarf. I thought I, for sure that am I this. am I right in thinking that D and D Beyond has not yet implemented. They have. The top, they have. have they? They have, I know that yep. there were some issues before. Yeah, I was looking at it today, and if you look at the races now and the traits, you you get to pick. Um, okay, so Tasha's options. Yeah. So I'm guessing that that Tasha's information is not even well. It's, it can't be included in this because the the dates are the top five 
uh, came from December of 2020. Mm-hmm. The top 12 list, list you referenced came from February of 2019. Right. Yep. So there's been some juggling, but they said in the in the whenever the stats were released that dwarf is pretty much where it was before. So it's still. I mean, like the, at least that part is still well, accurate, even though the stats were pulled for the the more comprehensive list. Was do you see the, Do you pull. see where it says uh, when it, when D and D Beyond was launched in 2017? It, it the top the top five human elf half elf dwarf and tiefling. Yep. Know yep. how the mighty have fallen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> shameful, absolutely shameful. Now I will say this: I, uh, I, I enjoy playing humans when I get a chance to play, mm. and I think it kind of stems from the fact that, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. I've, it's all basically, you're all basically playing humans anyway. No one, very few people put effort into really playing a dwarf or playing an elf other than I hate elves or, you know, <laughs> I hate never, never trust an elf. Yeah, I swing I'll, a hammer. I swing an axe. You right? get those kind of things, but everything else is just you're a short human, you're a tall, skinny human, you're a mm-hmm. big buff green human with one tusk sticking out, you know, you're just all humans. That's what you're doing. You're not, nobody's really putting forth any effort into playing something different. Mm. So my argument is, eh, why bother? If you're not going to put effort into it, then just play human. Hmm. Here you. So is, it, is, mean, it, is it a, like a, is it the, the, is it the culture of the races that are boring? Are the races themselves boring? Is it the, are the abilities and traits of the races boring? I think what it is, is pe- that's what people look at. They're, they're not looking at the cultures. They're not looking at what makes a tiefling different than a normal human or what makes a dragonborn act the way a dragonborn would act. It's, oh, where can my constitution, you know, where can, mm-hmm. I, I need a constitution bump. But, I want a breath okay, weapon. I hear you, but if you look at a you look at Mountain Dwarf, that's plus two strength, plus two constitution. I can't think of a, of a a hardier and more ba fighter. And if fighter is the number one class out there, if we're talking about like trying to put your stats where they where they or they're picking a race based on stats, right? I'm mm-hmm. surprised that the dwarf is not far, far, uh, farther up. Well, my guess is since it's because of, you know the, the number one class is a fighter, human is still a better choice than mm-hmm. dwarf. Because you get that feat. Mm, yeah. You get that feat that you can do, you know, polar master or yeah. or yeah. tavern brawler or whatever type of fighter you're going to be. But then what about uh, barbarian? Right? Because that's number, that's like one of the, it's in the Same. top three. Same. You think? Still it's human. The feat is what really makes the, the difference. The feat mm-hmm. oh, is what, uh, yeah. what really sets it yeah. apart. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> because, yep, I mean, sh- everybody's always like, oh, yeah, I'm taking human. Gotta give me that feed at first level yeah yeah no thank you (laughs) no thank you i know where my like i know where my uh my loyalties lie with my clan so yeah i'm a little bit shocked that goliath made that cut though honestly like that has to be a rhyme of the frost made well that's what i was gonna say right being able being resistant to cold that's well and also it got a big bump in in the news, right? Like it was, mm-hmm. it was on the tongues of everyone, especially. Well, no, because but that's, that's from February nineteen. Yeah, mm. uh, that's yeah, that's true. That could that's have been true. maybe a result of Storm Kings. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Uh, interesting. Well, John, talk to us about uh, something else near and dear to you. This other thing, right? Okay, cool. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> we talked a little bit about it a little along, and I'm the I'm the def, the de facto default Dragonlance nerd, so it had to be me. Um, uh, I got really excited in the last couple of weeks. I got a, there was a uh, a tweet from Margaret Weiss back on December nineteenth, eleven thirty seven a.m. that says, "I know some of you have seen that our lawsuit against Watsy was dismissed. I can't say anything yet, but watch for exciting news in the weeks to come. And thank you for your support." Uh, so the lawsuit is dropped without prejudice. Uh, and it was dropped voluntarily by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman, which means that since it was dropped without precedent, uh, prejudice, that there was a mutually agreed upon, you know, essentially it was it was settled out of court between Watsy and Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. And uh, then follow, followed up like a couple of days later with uh, Tracy Hickman had a, on his 
tweet or Facebook page or whatever, him leaning over a stack of three three ring binders full of paper, which one can only assume are the uh, is the trilogy. And he said, on. and he he said, you know, excited for New Year's, right? Mm-hmm. Not the New Year, but New Year's. Yeah. So I think we're gonna get an announcement in a few days about uh, a, tr- a certain trilogy making an appearance. Uh, that's my that's my hope. And I'd already heard previously that Larry Elmore was working on some artwork. I'd actually seen I saw the I saw the sketch work that he put together for it. I think either Margaret or maybe even Larry had posted it and it was the the Women of Dragonlance. And it was uh, Tika, Kiniara, um Lorana um I can't remember who the other two were, but anyways, all of the, the women of Dragonlance all to kind of together. I don't know if it maybe it was a cover, as a cover art or what, but he's obviously been working on Dragonlance stuff, and it was not the only thing that he was working on. This was just one of the many things that he's been working on for the last several months. So, would the other two have been uh, Goldmoon and uh, Goldmoon? No, not Boopoo. What? That would have been awesome if it was Boopoo. Thank she, you. She, even is... if she was like chilling in the back behind like a rock or something like that, kind of poking yeah, out, that yeah, would have been that would have been, awesome. been a nice Easter egg. Now, yeah, gold, it was Gold Moon, and I can't remember who the thir- the fifth one was. Now, Piggy, piggybacking off of this, uh, Joe Manganiello oh, man. has been making the circuit, uh, making the circuit and evangelizing. Yeah, straight which evangelizing, very, which is very strange. If you see him on a talk show, he's on, he's going he's doing the press tour for his new movie, mm-hmm. and yep. he talks this much about his new movie. Yeah, <laughs> and he talks this much about D and D. Yep. And I believe, was it on Conan or was it on uh, Conan? He did Conan. He did. I saw him do uh, Wired. Why? Fi- was he, did, uh, he, did, he was on Kelly yeah. Clarkson. Yep. Um, but yep. on one, I, I I think it was Conan. He said, "Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about." Go ahead. He's got the official stats for fifth edition Draconians, and he kind of looked at the camera and was like, "Don't tell anybody." Yeah, yeah. So could this also mean that Dragonlance is one of the official settings that's coming out in the next year or so? One Come on, of the we three. know it is. We know it is. I, I know. Not only that, there's any doubt. It's just a matter of is it still on the docket in the spot that it was right. supposed to be? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that um, one of the things that Joe had even had mentioned also in this, I think it was in the same interview, was that he gets to work with Watsy now. He's been work. I, I, yeah. my, my bet. I'd be far betting, man. He's been working on Dragonlance with them, either on an adventure, like a like a campaign, or on in a in the campaign setting, or in in some some. And I don't, I don't. I mean, Archon is obviously his Dragonlance. It's supposed to be Dragonlance specific, but it's kind of like it's gone into the hodgepodge of Forgotten Realms, Avernus, and all that good stuff too. But mm-hmm. I'd be willing to bet that he's actually been working on it with them, well, um, did, which is surprising to me because he's been really quiet about it whenever the lawsuit came up. Didn't he work on either Descent or Rhyme? Yeah. yeah he worked on uh, Dis- uh, uh, Descent into Avernus, I think, because of Archon mm-hmm. because of and Archon, his inclusion. I, yeah, I thought yeah. maybe he worked on something else. I don't remember. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So, very, very cool stuff. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm happy. Anyway, oh yeah, that's I'm. uh, It's 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 only a good thing, right? When it's the 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 fact that John knew that it was like what 11:57 and the date and all this stuff. Uh, Yeah, well, I I whenever I found out about it, I'd I'd found out about like five minutes after the post or after the tweet and after the the accompanying Facebook post from both. Margaret and Tracy both posted post something. I was like, I jump into into Discord with a bunch of my fellow DMs, and I'm sitting there going, "He, he! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" You've got it <laughs> tattooed on your ankle. The yeah, date. he's got totally. the date tattooed. Yeah. Yep. That's it. That's right. Resurrection date. Ankle, That's right. ankle. No, it's it's like a full on <laughs> back, back piece. Tat. Yeah, it's like the whole back piece. Yeah. Yeah, it's some it's some creepy like portrait of Margaret and, and Tracy Hickman. <laughs> on the back yeah. no that it's it's not that i swear dear <laughs> if my wife is listening <laughs> all right Troy, just, you have our kickstarter to uh, yeah okay out. yeah it is the the tome of mystical tattoos for 5e now we're getting ready to touch on that a little bit talking about uh tasha's but this gives a bunch of tattoos. I'm, I'm not going to get into it too much. The, the link is going to be there to go check it out. It's it's got you know 
how many days left? 20 days to go as of this recording. So you'll have plenty of time once this uh, episode drops to check it out. Um, suffice it to say, I think it answers some of the issues that we have with the tattoos as presented in mm-hmm. Tasha's. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actual ink and needle, old school, with a little tapper. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, as with all tattoos, those of you that have them know, there needs to be some pain involved in earning that tattoo. Um, all kinds of stretch goals have been unlocked. Um, it, it is obviously funded, and it just it just sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they got one, it's an elongating tattoo. And each each tattoo, there's art for it, mm-hmm. so that you can see what you're actually getting. Um, it's fully illustrated, and the artwork looks it's it's rather comic booky, mm-hmm. but I can get behind that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, um, so this will this will still be going live. Um, it's. The nice thing about it, uh, if we have any international listeners to the podcast, this is this this particular Kickstarter is through uh, drive through, um, which means that you should be able to get an actual physical book at a reasonable price. Uh, so it's it's definitely cool in that way, and they've plowed through a lot of stretch goals, so it's a pretty exhaustive book at this point with an adventure included. Yeah. Uh, so awesome. All right. Well, with that, we will move on to the main course of our topic today. Uh, we are going to finish out Tasha's. Um, we have chapters three and four, which is kind of a mixed bag um, discussion. And uh, nothing that is, nothing that we really felt like uh, deserved its full, a full episode in and of itself. Um, so we'll kind of bounce around a little bit. Um, but let's start with chapter three. Chapter three is magical miscellany. It's spells, personalizing spells, magic tattoos, and new magic items. Um, I think we kind of all agreed that as far as the spells go, we're not really going to cover those. There's new spells. Go check them out. New spells. They're fun. Um, uh, I will say, I am jazzed about the summoning spells. Oh, yes. yeah. That, that is long time yeah. coming. Should have should yeah. have happened in the player's handbook, arguably. Like, and can we can we talk about these for? I mean, I don't I don't want to talk about these the individual spells. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. It, it breaks it down. You know, you got beasts, you got celestials, you got whatever. Mm-hmm. To me, this this smacks of something that I had never thought of playing older editions of D anD D until the game Magic the Gathering came out, mm-hmm. and more so the uh, the comic books. I think, mm-hmm. um, and that is, and it's been years since those comic books came out, but uh, it it kind of alluded to the fact that when a planeswalker summoned a creature. It was a specific creature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember the scene where the, the guy summons one of the Herloon Minotaurs. And the Minotaur walks forward and he's like, Greetings, whatever the, you know, you know greetings, planeswalker. What is your bidding this time? Mm-hmm. And he's like, Hello, my old friend. I need help. You know, I mean, that. That was cool to me, and I kind of, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like you can do that easily with these spells. Yeah. So the the note there, right, is that each one of these spells, instead of summoning a creature from the monster manual or whatever, it's summoning a spirit that's yep. tied to that. So if you summon undead, you're summoning an undead spirit. Yep. If you're summoning a fae, you're summoning a spay spay. <laughs> a spade, a, spe- a spade spirit. A spay spirit. Um, Please spay, uh, neuter your yeah, your and it spirits. has its own stat block that's built into the spell. Yeah. That would be my only note is I like that it's consistent, but I also kind of would have liked to have seen like when you summon undead, you summon a shadow or blah blah blah, right? Like mm-hmm. there could, would have been a cool thing where you get to summon the creatures that you've been fighting previously or whatever. Like I don't know, um, there's something lost when it's just a spirit. Yeah, um, yeah. 
but I also think that the consistency that this provides is probably the way to go. Because otherwise, you you couldn't have it balanced, right? Like one against the other. Yeah, that's yeah. all, and that's I think that's the the main crux of the decision behind that was for balance sake, yeah. right? It's like yeah. it doesn't matter what level you, it, and also it'll scale with your level. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll or the scale with a slot that's being expended, and this way people can skin it however they want to, mm-hmm. um, as long as it stays within the uh, the confines of the rule set that they develop for each one of the spells. Yeah, yeah. I I agree. I would like to have seen like the actual creatures used more. I am not a fan of forced balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, no, yeah, I that's agree. What third party that. materials for? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and and you know the, the game itself. I mean, there, to me, it's an illusion of balance because mm-hmm. it's still mm-hmm. not balanced. I mean, sure. the mm-hmm. the challenge rating system is proof of 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 that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get a challenge rating three monster that wipes out a party of seventh level characters. You know, pretty yeah, pretty quick. But yeah, I I, I love the fact that uh, that they're summoning spells. That do a, mm-hmm. that do a good job. They're not not the best, but they do a good job. Bye, John. <laughs> hey, John. <laughs> hey, how's it going? <laughs> oh, but yeah, it has to happen at least once a day. Thanks, it Discord. <laughs> yeah. Well, so the other part of the spells, um, the other part of this chapter is the magic items, and kind of we get a whole bunch mm-hmm. of new ones. Um, I think those are always going to be enjoyed to look through, but there's too many to cover in an episode, and and mm-hmm. I don't know that that's useful, but part of the magic items is Watsi's version of magic tattoos. And um, I I guess I'll start off by saying that I feel like this was, what did you just talk about? Balance, like this Mm -hmm. is force balance. These tattoos are basically just magic items. They don't do anything new. They don't cover any new ground. Um, They're very bland in their implementation. Um, they require a, an attunement slot. Um, they take an hour to apply. You do it over a short rest or whatever. You just hold your needle, a needle, magical needle to your skin for an hour. And at the end of the hour, the needle becomes the tattoo on you. Um, I, I, I am fine with what they do. They give resistances or blah, blah, blah. I'm not... I don't like the flavor built around them or the implementation. Mm-hmm. Um, Troy and I were talking beforehand. Critical Role did it great. Um, yeah. That when they implemented tattoos into their setting, um, it's exactly how I would do it. And even theirs was very, mm-hmm. it was pretty simplistic. Mm-hmm. It's we have the ink, you have the, 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 the gem dust that you mix in the ink, you've got someone that knows how to do magic tattoos. And they give you a tattoo for however long it takes. A few thousand gold. Yeah. And maybe, I'm t- maybe I'm too forgiving about this, but to me, this is like, it's intentionally generic, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and yeah you yeah. put a needle up against your skin. Meh. Here's the mechanics. This is really the thing that, wor- that works, right? Or the thing that's the most important, which that's not much of a risk, but I mean, it, it seems to me like it's catering to the broader audience. And, and again, it's, it's really about reskinning. That's the flavor part of it. Mechanically, it works like this. Fit it into your world campaign setting, setting however you want to, if you want it to be right. If you, if you want it to be painful, if you want it to be more request oriented where you have to find particular like chimera bile, or you've got to find something else in order to concoct the proper inks and things like that, then that's kind of like, that's up to the DM. That's that contract between the DM and the players to build yeah. that out. But at least it's like, here's a thing that you've asked for, and here's the way to make it balanced. The rest of it's going to end up being up to you. It, it yeah. just, it lacks teeth. Yeah. I, I agree. But I, I mean, mean, that you pretty much described a lot of what Watsy yeah. has pumped out yeah. lately. I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to dump on the creators that are over there, but it's very, it's safe. It's, again, it's generic. It's safe. It's PG material. It's not even PG 13 material. Yeah these days it's very it's very general audience mm-hmm. uh, palatable and i would definitely agree with zach that the fact that these these things require an attunement slot mm-hmm. is is it either needs to re- require an attunement slot and that slot is gone forever because the tattoo is permanent 
or it needs not to require an attunement slot. Mm-hmm. Because the way it's written, like you said, it's just another magic item. Oh, I don't want this tattoo anymore. I can unattune to my tattoo and the ink pours out of my skin and becomes a needle again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and attunement is designed, right? The, the purpose of attunement is to, in, in, in bulk is to um, make it something to where one, only one character can get that benefit in any immediate amount of time. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's already a tattoo. So it doesn't need an attunement because you can't give multiple characters and it can't be easily transitioned, right? right. Um, you know, it takes an hour to apply. That's not something that can be swapped back and forth between party members in the middle of a combat to give them, uh, you know, a resistance or something that they wouldn't have otherwise. Um, so it, to me, it, they used attunement as their catch-all to m- make sure that it wasn't overpowered. Oh, here it is. I'll let you slap attunement on it so that it can't get out of hand. Um, but yeah. anyhow. Uh, or let me any... ask you this. Is it yeah. is well, let me, let me, one more thing for the attunement thing? Or is it like is are they re, are they over reasoning? Are they overthinking it possibly? It's like, well, if it is attached to your body, then it stands to reason that it would have to be attuned because it can't be given to anybody else. It kind of follows the same logical attachment that attunement would ha- would have and so that's why they're like well if it's attached to your body then it's pretty much attuned across the board it has to be attuned right that's just the nature yes. of a tattoo and maybe that's fair i just don't like 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 attunement slots are already precious yep so well, then yeah, right so then why not have the body as its own attunement slot or something like that right where you could you could explain that somehow yeah it's yeah. it is attuned but it is attuned towards a tattoo slot which the, is the body slot or something like that i don't know yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Um. So our next our next ra- uh, uh, chapter here, as we move on, is Chapter Four: Dungeon Master's Tools. Um. This one I found actually way more helpful and way more interesting than what I expected it to be. Um, just as a note, we have a section on Session Zero a section on sidekicks, parlaying with monsters, and environmental hazards. Um, I think that session, the Session Zero stuff is actually shockingly well presented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, Session Zero is something, I mean, you never talked about it you know, back in the olden times. Yeah. Well, but, sessions, the concept of the Session Zero is surprisingly... It's it's been done, but it's been an unwritten rule, an unspoken rule. It was more of like a, it was a, it's a table culture, right? This yeah. is the thing that we do. Oh, that's cool. Maybe I should do that at my table. That's all it was, as opposed to okay, this is part of this is part of D and D culture now is to have a session oh, yeah. zero. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's there's two parts of it that are kind of meta. Um, there is the social contract mm-hmm. section talks about you know you're engaging into a game with other players, blah blah blah. Um, then there's a game customization, which is basically like agree upon any house rules. Both of those I think mm-hmm. are good things to have, especially for new DMs and whatnot to kind of walk them through that. The one that I really liked though is uh, character and party creation yes. because yep. it is very clear from the get-go uh, about helping players, helping DMs and parties think about how does the party come together? What does that look like? And what is the what does that unity stem from, right? Um, the characters have to have united to overcome a foe or a funeral brings the characters together or a festival brings the characters together. These are ideas that they're presenting to help you as a group find that cohesion early on so that, because the bane of so many campaigns is that you all show up with different motivations and the party wants to go six different ways from session one. This right. sort of thing really helps with that. Um, and I, I'm really glad that they put that front and center in Session Zero guidelines. Yes, and as and as a DM, you can you can nip, nip in the bud some of those things that you you see as a possible problem down the road, or at mm-hmm. least address it immediately. Because you know you'll get one of those players that show up. Yes, I'm playing a dwarf that hates all goblins or orcs because. Mm-hmm. They killed my my clan, 
and then somebody, you know, Bill shows up with his goblin character, all excited to play. Yeah, I'm a city goblin, and I'm I like everybody. Blah blah blah. Well, now, yeah, you have this dwarf mm-hmm. that wants to kill him all the time. It's like, yeah. yeah, I get it. It might make it might make for an interesting story, but do you want to take the time and deal with it? Well, that's that's the thing, right? It's gonna mono- it could possibly take over. Yes. The the main thrust of the story, right? It's like, or yeah. if not take over it, like, like in in full, rather, like, uh, weren't we playing D anD D? It sounds like Bill and Bob are just over there fighting one another. It, like, where does the yeah. game what, what are the, and what are reality the other four start to get to do? Right. While <laughs> everything gets hijacked by Bill and Bob arguing, right. you know. Rime of the Frost Maiden has secrets, and that's a big part of it. Is this like not having a cohesive party and having suspicion and intrigue and all that built into the fabric of even your your fellowship? We, uh, my group playing through, has realized very quickly we we jumped wholeheartedly into that experiment, right? And we have determined that we do not like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like we're gonna, we're enjoying it because it's short lived. But no one wants a year of this. the The idea of making party conflict an intentional part of your game is not desirable. And all of us, you know, I, I'm playing with a group of, by and large, very seasoned D and D players, and we've had two conversations in the past two weeks where we're like, "This is really fun. We're enjoying it." Thank goodness I don't have to play this character for more than three more sessions, and then we can go back mm-hmm. to we can go back to party unity and feeling like we're working together towards something. So, no, okay, uh, question. Yeah, is is it because all the characters have one of these secrets that is causing the issue? Would if if someone showed up and was just a closet drist fan and everybody else was normal? It'd be all right. We'd be, be okay. Right. It's because our secrets put the characters in conflict with other characters, right? One of our characters is a soldier from Gondor. And the secret is that they are of, they're related to the steward, right? They're related to Denethor. And they are an agent of Denethor. And so when my party's out doing stuff they're they all believe that they're doing it for elrond and rivendell and for the good of all people this guy's secret is he's actually has another a higher up person that he's he's answering to mm-hmm. so that that's a butthead sort of thing and as that has been revealed in the fine in these last few sessions like that butting heads of like you guys are working for one guy i'm working for another and that disagreement of opinion mm-hmm. so hard to navigate around we got another person who is a plainy paladin of glory right zero tactics allowed right we're gonna go and fight everything that we come across and we're gonna kill it and we're not gonna run from it and we're not gonna reposition we're gonna just walk up and swing our axe until it dies mm-hmm. that is not that is not a character that gets along well when you know you got a bard who's trying to be tactical uh, with its, you know, buffs and debuffs and a, and a wizard and a blah, blah, blah. Like, and then here's the paladin who is, you know, every spell slot is going to be used on smite. <laughs> I'm not going to lay on hands until this monster is dead because it's about, you know, the glory of the kill, not about, you know, saving a friend. And that's where the social con- contract part, part yeah. of it comes, comes in too, right? It's where, because what the, in Lord of the Rings... They're two as the fellowship. Yep. And so a fellowship is really, really difficult to have with it to be in fellowship. If there is conflict, you you saw that with, even with Boromir and it, that like in the end, there was still like, they remained galvanized even after that, after that fall. But it was like a, but it was in the first book, right? That happened with with the first book and then they could actually kind of go along with it. And it was, it was something they could put behind them as opposed to this long term end of the story you know it's bilbo and or it's frodo and sam <clears throat> uh, uh about to throw the ring in and then boromir shows up and snatches that out of their hand and runs off with it you know that kind of crap that's the last thing that you need it's like what are you freaking kidding me yeah. that to me is one, a really easy way to assassinate the campaign and yeah. really kind of like everybody else's like the the shared fun they really then it turns into like well there's one little crafty player 
who's really, really enjoying being the Loki in the group. That's like the little the point yeah. of contention. Oh, they're, they're having a blast. But it's kind of like, like Andy Kaufman. He was the only one that ever got any of his jokes. Oh, he was the only one yeah. that ever laughed at any of his jokes, right? <laughs> that that player at the table I, makes my eye twitch. Yeah. At the, it's like, it is the worst. It is so, it, because I'm glad they're having fun, but it's at everybody else's expense. Okay. Anyway, so that's, I think that's what that's for. But, you know, having said that, Boromir coming, you know, running up and snatching the ring and running off, who wants that? You have, you have a very successful example of that. And I don't know of anybody that's pissed off and we've already talked about him. Mm-hmm. That's Joe Manganiello's Archon. I, I, I knew you were com- coming up with that, with the, the hand of Vecna. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. And it, what, what made it even better was he's not even a regular oh, yeah. cast member of Critical Role. It's like, I'm here to help you. Mine, gone. Here's, okay, but here's my, here's my argument against that, or, or to, to that end, I should say. That is a different table. Critical role is a completely oh, yeah. that is yeah, yeah, not yeah. that is not your table. That's not my table. That's not any table I've ever run, nor well, do I ever anticipate ever running. It is like I can't I, go ahead. Well, he's also, like you said, he's not a part of the actual cast. So he got right. to run and take it, go, and he doesn't have to come back to that table next week yeah. and have players that are like, dude, you have to give that back. Yeah. Like like Guest special guest star, bye. Yeah. Yep. Now yep. okay. Well, I'm thinking more along the lines that even if even if he had been like an ongoing guest, that group was all about it's more they're story. they're having fun, but they're making it's a show. It's a show. It's a it's a story, right? And yeah. so for them, they're not so worried about being butthurt as it is like what is compelling to the audience, not necessarily what's compelling right. only to me, right? Right. But but I'm with you. I, I know okay. I see. What, I know where I, you're going with it. I mean, it's been a while since I've I've actually watched and listened to that episode. And you guys might know better than I do at this point. Um, did Matt know he was going to do that? I don't know. Because uh, Joe I've, has gone on record saying that he had talked to Matt about it, like that day or right before it or okay. something like that. That it was like it's like it's in the zeitgeist. It's like it's a pot. It's like something that like he's really greedy. Who knows what'll happen? But he never actually said, "Hey, Matt, get ready," because as soon as they turn their backs. I'm, I'm snatching that appendage. It's mine. <laughs> awesome. Um, but, but like, if, if, kind of like circling back to like the whole social contract and the session zero and stuff like that. This it's really important. I'm glad that it's on paper now, or ver- and, digital and or whatever. It, right. Yeah. It is. It is in the books. The session zero is in there, and they give everybody this checklist. You mm-hmm. can kind of go off of that is really really helpful. I think it's. I think it's very smart. It's probably one of my favorite additions to the to the book. Yep. Yeah. Um, Nexus sidekicks. They're from the Essentials Kit. I don't know that we need to really go into them, but they're there. They're 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 they're, they're, they're filled out more. They're they're mm-hmm. more fleshed out because the, the the Essentials gave you here's here's some sidekicks that you can use, and the rules here in Tasha's give it more teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, uh, I I can see people wanting to just play one of these sidekick classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're yeah. they're they are pretty good, um, or even even like a new or like a like a super new player that may only be in there for like a session <clears throat> that wants kind of a right. simplified Just bang. There you yeah. go, boom. Yep. Now, mm-hmm. yep. I I like the idea that you know you can you can add these rules, these sidekick rules to uh, monsters and NPCs of low levels. I would like. Official, if possible, if not, something on DM's Guild or something of more guidelines that I can make sidekicks out of higher level creatures. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, like the paladin having a sidekick that's a hound archon or something like that. Yeah, right? something like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can sit here and, and work out that math if I wanted to. Uh, I don't really want to. I'd rather spend $3 or whatever on DM's Guild. <laughs> And, and and have some cool stuff there. Uh but yeah, I, I love this idea. And and especially if you know, if it comes organically in your campaign, you meet this like you, this hound archon that that uh you somehow befriend and whatever in the DM has that oh, this is gonna be really cool. A few levels down the road, you know, 
Woofy comes back. Got a couple sidekick mm-hmm. levels on him and, and mm-hmm. helps out the group. A beefy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And cool. you could even, you, you could, how many kids out there would kill to play D&D as the wolf, you know, or yeah. or whatever. That would just be a That blast. is exactly what I did with, with my my middle daughter when we ran D&D as a family, and she was like seven. And is, is okay, you, you two have fully fleshed out characters. Lily, don't worry about it. You're going to be, what do you want to play as? Like, I, I let her tell me, well, I want to be a fox. Cool, you're a fox. And then take a wolf stat block, hand it off to her, level one, and then go with it, right? So to your point, right, that if you really want to make this, like, super, super creative, then bipedal humanoid demi-humans shouldn't be the limitations of what you can play yeah. as, you know? Yeah. And this is the perfect rule set for that, I think. Or at least it's a, it's a gateway it's, it's to a, entry. It's a gateway. Maybe not perfect, yeah. but it's, a, it's definitely the perfect gateway for that, yeah. Yeah. Um, next is parlaying with monsters. Um, uh, I'm, I'm personally really grateful for this part in it. Really? I just, I just, yes. You talk to monsters? What? Uh, yeah, because, uh, what? Oh, oh, wait, no, uh, Zach, go ahead. You sound like, uh, you have, you have an opinion on this that I, I need to hear about before I, I praise it. Well, I'm glad that somebody likes it. I like, so I thought it was coming in strong with the first part of it which is you can research a monster to know what it wants or what it might right. want right so you can roll as an example if you want to know what a dragon might want you could roll an arcana history or nature check if you want to know what a fae might want arcana or nature i think those are really good like and it gives you a dc that you need to hit as a dm you can know that um what i don't like about parlaying with monsters is the tables afterwards monsters desires mm-hmm. it goes by each type <laughs> Uh, aberrations, beasts, celestials, yada, yada, and it gives a D4 table of what they might want. Uh, sure. So as an example, uh, beasts, you have fresh meat, a soothing melody, brightly colored beads, cloth, feathers, or string, or an old stuffed animal or other soft trinket. I don't like these tables because mm-hmm. they're, the overarching type is so broad that for any given monster, two or three of these four options aren't going to fit. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think the thing that I liked, the, what I liked about it was more conceptual mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. what was pr- practical application is that yeah. not every single interaction with a monster has to be end with you putting the pointy end of the sword into it or attempting oh, to, right? Yeah. I think what it made me wish for is that we had a little note like this, Monster's Desires, in the monster manual for yes. each entry there. These are the types of things that an illithid would be after. These are the types of things that a dire wolf would be after. Because here, this table doesn't do anyone yeah, any not. good. Right. It's not helpful. So um, those those burgeoning uh, game designers out there, DM Field product, make us charts, parlaying charts for all the monsters in the it. monster manual. <clears throat> Yeah. Expand on it. Be more specific, right? Or even if you want to go go ham, you know, go through the monster manual. Go through the the monsters, yep. not just the type. Yeah. But like, here no, are the okay. motivations. All the here's what the, I, all of, right. all of here's what you here's what you want. If if you're if you're looking to, for a role playing encounter with instead of a combat encounter with a creature, here are some of your story seeds. And I because I understand what they were going with going for with the tables. The tables are just like. Seriously, the gnaw on their idea and, seeds, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. really all they are. I don't think anybody's going to use these. No like, DM is going to roll a D four on those charts. No, no, no. I wouldn't. I, yeah, I wouldn't. Um, well, I mean, some some new ones might feel like that's the thing. Right? I, I really want to read or see this read by someone who is who picked up the PHB, the DMG, and they're, and then they're the a DM that's looking at it and being like, oh, is this the way that I'm supposed to do it? Well, okay, so I roll the D four. And that's the way that I, you and I, we don't think along those lines. We know that there's like this this uh, unimaginable flexibility and openness to the way that we can run the game as opposed to you have to follow the rules as written. Right? Well, yeah, you and I don't really even read most of the books. So. That is true. Who needs words, right? Who needs to read? Good enough. I, I, think, I think I get the gist of what you're trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I... I I would say, though, that this next session, next section, was, to me, the part that I went into expecting nothing. Like, mm. did not have any 
expectation of getting utility out of this, and I think I will reference this a ton. And that's environmental hazards divided mm -hmm. into three sections, supernatural regions, magical phenomena, and natural hazards. Yep. Um, basically, um, the supernatural regions is amazing. So um, if you want to give great descriptions of what the far realm might feel or look like, there's a table for that. If you mm. want to know what a haunted area might feel or look like, there's a table for that. A mirror zone, an infested zone, a, you know, a blessed zone, things like all of these little pieces that I, you know, that are sometimes hard for you to get the words that you're after for these, mm -hmm. you know, specialized locations that make them feel truly unique. Uh, each one of them has a really, really nice table filled okay. with not just descriptions, but also like um, creatures and counters that might be there. Um, you could build, honestly, you could probably do a whole session just off these tables pretty oh, easily yeah. um you know as an example um in the far realm if you roll a certain number on the table distance no longer functions in a comprehensible manner within the region creatures mm -hmm. make ranged attack rolls with disadvantage and the range of those attacks is halved um just little things like that i kind of attribute these kind of like to regional effects on legendary monsters right yeah. it's things like that a lot of times um i love this section um and yeah, the supernatural area in particular, like the, the if not, again, a lot of the times whenever I'm reading through these, uh, much to Troy's guilt as well, guilt by is uh, is going through these and like just picking up like, oh god, oh I could do something with that. Oh yeah, it's just it's the ideas that you're able to glean off of it. If nothing else, I'm looking at like an infested city mm -hmm. is one of my that's my favorite piece of artwork out of all of Tasha's. Is for is from that. Oh, that, that, the that is creepy as hell. Yeah, it, it, it just for those that obviously can't see it, right? Is that it is this very gothic, nightly, a nightly lit full moon in the background, uh, burg or, or town with cobwebs everywhere, and it's been completely overrun by giant spiders. That and, and is a, that people. is a good time for me as a DM. I love that. It feels yeah the, the people are kind of like in these cocoon states. Where they've been wrapped up in in spider web and they they're desiccated. Where they've been uh, like in mid scream, uh, yeah, yeah, man. This is like uh, this is the spider version of the mist, which uh, it's like that's yeah. my that's my butter zone right there. I love that, love it. Yeah. So that's kind of stuff in there, like the, between the artwork and then there's then and it's not just the art. The art is what kind of like sparks the idea of oh that'd be awesome. What ideas did they have? And then you're able to to dig through a boil of termites bursts from the ground along with dozens of bones and a treasure of the DM like just ideas right and I I think it's really that's great this is uh, this is something that's yeah. I, I can I can glom onto I can work with for sure that and hauntings was another one I really liked yeah, yeah. um I I don't know what to tell you other you listeners other than the, just when you're going to a new when your party's going to a new area that you want to feel special just go to this section and you'll find something that'll tie in whether it's the environmental hazard the supernatural regions or the magical stuff like there's whole notes on eldritch storms or enchanted springs or mm -hmm. um there's a whole section on magic mushrooms which i really like because that seems to crop up more so you can reflavor mushrooms to anything but magic food um is is always a nice thing and then Finally, it kind of, the last one is natural hazards, which is kind of a tack onto what you already see in like the DMG with dealing with like things like lava and blah, blah, blah. What happens when one of these things happens? Yeah. Uh, so here's how to deal with avalanches. Here's how to deal with falling into water, falling onto a creature, things like that. Um, I feel like this is probably too late in coming to some extent in that like, we probably already have our own home rule for what falling onto a creature does right um yeah, pretty much so if you want to read the yeah. little paragraph that they've come up with that's great but i don't know that that's at this point necessary and i don't know that a dm is going to think about going to tasha's for these little like side note things instead of the dmg so well it's like it's like uh the avalanche rules are basically you know pulled right out of rhyme yeah yeah exactly Okay, so um, that's the that's uh, the shocker. Yeah. Before before we go on, uh, as you as you know, 
John's is Dragonlance, mine is Eberron. I am formulating ways to create some kind of chart for the Mornlands that combines supernatural regions and the magic phenomena mm, for the yeah. Mornlands. Because yeah. that is that is the one thing that I was kind of bummed about in mm -hmm. the 5e interpretation of, of Eberron. In in you know in the original, the Mornland is just this bizarre, wonky, horrible place. Even the mist itself surrounding it would would mm -hmm. chew you up and spit you out. Yep. And it kind of doesn't have that. Yeah. Here, but this could really add a lot, and my players 100%. are going to absolutely hate it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Well, uh, so, yeah, absolutely. And I think that ties in well with the final thing in Tasha's, which is puzzles. Um, puzzles are the hardest thing, I think, the least well-implemented puzzles and traps in 5e. Mm -hmm. um, because the game has moved away from that style of play, especially traps. The gotcha idea, right? Like DM versus the players and this combative... Uh, element puzzles um, are really hard to do um, and so they're also difficult um, Tasha's gives you uh, about I think it's about 12 to 15 puzzles um, anywhere from easy to hard and difficulty um, and they kind of have a note for how difficult they are um, and handouts they even have and handouts uh, yep. for them. I really like how the puzzles i love all the puzzles i think the difficulty is going to be the puzzles are very much themed right there's one about mm -hmm. beholders there's one about um uh menu like it's uh it's about uh it's at a diner or whatever they're so specific that you are going to need to really like commit these to memory if you're ever going to recall them when they would be applicable in your game, or you're going to have to design around them. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, like that's ah, 12 ideas that I'm going to have to check back in every session to see if there's a puzzle that works. Um, Cause they are so heavily themed as puzzles should be. Um, I think that for me, the hardest part, and this, this could be its, its own on topic altogether. We can do mm -hmm. an entire podcast on oh, puzzles yeah. and puzzles and traps in particular mm -hmm. is that for me, it's, it has to make sense, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, traps in particular um, are complicated. Mm -hmm. They are complex, expensive. Yeah. To whoever it is is putting putting it there can can be right. I mean, obviously you can do a pit trap that's covered up with palm fronds or something like that if you wanted to. But yeah. some of the more the more uh, elaborate ones, especially the magical ones or mechanical, are really really expensive. And mm -hmm. whatever it is that's on the other side of the trap had better be really awesome because it should or it certainly shouldn't be trivial, or right. otherwise they wouldn't have put expended so much. So it, I think what's what's happened is we've like the rest of society, right? Or, or like a, is that the viewer or those that are being entertained have become much more discerning and the, dis the suspension of disbelief has diminished, become a little bit more, I don't know, I don't know, culture's not the right word. It's finally like more, a little bit more refined or we're constantly poking at the magician to tell us how he, like how he did the trick or he or she did the trick, right? And so I think that's part of it too. It's like dungeon ecology is important. And why is the bugbear over here? But there's a rust monster that's right next door. You know, the, the Gygaxian dungeons where that was excusable because that's just the way the game was and people didn't question it. People do it all the time now. So you see the same thing with puzzles too. A puzzle should make sense. Why is there a puzzle there? Uh, is it, And it can't always be because the, the person that put it there was crazy. Mm -hmm. Right? The, 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 the mad mage. Well, because they're a bunch of, like that's, because that one's been done. All right, we've already oh, done the Dungeon of the Mad Mage where we can do whatever we want to in here because he was cuckoo kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas in my game, if I'm putting it in there, a puzzle in there, there has to be a reason why it's there. And that's really, really tough, right? Mm -hmm. to, to, to make that make sense. Uh, and yeah. to, to in order to maintain like the verisimilitude of everything else that's going on around it. Yeah. Most of these puzzles in here, by the way, have a component of riddle 
to them. Hmm. Um, not all of them, but a good chunk of them do. So when we talk about puzzles in, in Tasha's, we're by and large talking about riddles, or at least right. as a riddle component, um, which goes back to that, right? Where like, who's going to write a riddle? Somebody right. very whimsical in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, or mysterious, intentionally or mysterious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not the wizard who's locking his vault away behind a mechanism that only he knows the answer to. He wouldn't write a riddle to give you the yep. clues, right? Um, so he's not going to put yeah. the password on a on a post-it note next to his monitor, kind of thing, right? right? To as a reminder, right? Yeah, it's 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 so I I would say that like for me this puzzle one is going to be very specific and I don't know that you're going to get a lot of utility out of it but if you can I mm-hmm. think these are really good puzzles. Like if if one of them fits well, I think you'll do well to to slide it into your your adventure. But I think you're going to really have to go back and look at this and think about it and say where where it makes sense and you're going to have it's not going to be easy to put one of these in your game. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, you can't have a you can't have a sphinx in every single one of your games. Exactly. That's that's gonna exactly. read a riddle to you. Yeah. So that's Tasha's folks. Uh, I think we've we've uh, done that. That's a little bit longer episode, but we wanted to power through and and cover Tasha's in a nice condensed way. Um, finish out the year with it. It's a really great book um, with a lot of interesting features, and hopefully we've given you a little bit more insight into how to use those in your game. Um, anything else we should cover, fellas, before we round out this episode? Nope. No, me. I don't think so. I th- I, it, that kind of covered all of my all of my notes that I had okay. for this. All righty. Well, then, uh, for myself, Troy, and John, uh, we would encourage you very much to go check us out on Facebook. Give us a like. Um, let us know what you thought of this episode or any others. You could also go to, uh, well, I was going to say, yeah, iTunes, um, or your favorite podcast feed and give us a, a rating or review. Those would be very helpful, um, in getting us to show up on other people's, uh, feeds and recommendations. Um, and if you can do all that, uh, we'll continue to see our community grow and we have big plans in store for maybe where to take this in 2021. So appreciate you. Appreciate all of you um, sticking with us through uh, through this year. Um, we're almost a year into this podcast now, and, and we're still having a great time and don't see an end in sight. So. Thanks for being supportive, and we'll see you next week. Have a great game, everybody. Bye, everybody. Take care. <laughs>